What's your password? Quick, tell me. Uh, a scrawny clown snatch. Um, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't, but... Previously on Booze and Buffy. He goes off on, like, this very English tangent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just Googled British things spike-like. This is where Buffy has her line. She's like, you want my help because your girlfriend's a big hoe? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're okay, though. Uh, Cordelia is certainly not going to make the coffee. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one. We will be spoiling the episode we are discussing, but there will be no spoilers for future episodes. I'm Harrison, and I am delighted in the return of Willow's purple bucket hat. And I'm Jason, and who are we kidding? I'm wearing pajama pants. Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? We are watching season three, episode one, and this is the one where Buffy perfects her social distancing skills by abandoning all of her friends and going to L.A. I've been holding on to that joke for a while. <laughs> but is she really perfecting it when she's working in a service job? It's fair. <laughs> I, I guess uh, her skills are 50-50. And was written and directed by none other than Joss Whedon and originally aired September 29th, 1998. Hey. An easier time, one would say. <laughs> yes. Roll that intro music. Da -da -da. Um, so Jason, I'm gonna ask you a question that I ask you every week. But this is the first time it's an actual question <laughs> and not a transition because I don't know what you're drinking. What are you drinking, Jason? Harrison, I am drinking some Jameson Irish whiskey on the rocks. And I am drinking it in my Lord of the Rings one ring glass when you uh, put it into the glass. If you put a cold liquid into it, then the uh, letters that have the Elvish script um, from Mordor like uh, turn red. So... You know, that's exactly the kind of glass that I would have. <laughs> uh, I am drinking uh, some passion tea with the very last of the vodka that we had in our house. It was like half a shot. Um, Gotta <laughs> so make a liquor store run. Currently. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, listeners, if you've not gathered, uh, we are doing our very first remote recording uh it's interesting we apologize we might be experiencing some we might be experiencing some technical difficulties throughout this episode because we are uh communicating over google duo while recording because hey we're still in the middle of the coronavirus hooray yeah um so yeah this should be an interesting episode um uh did you do you know whose turn it is to do a toast I think it might be mine, because I think I did the uh, toast for Becoming Part 2, and then you did the toast for our coronavirus episode. All right, go for it. Okay, here's to the friends who are far away. May you never be far away forever, and the same goes for liquor. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> did you touch your computer screen? Yep. Uh, for listeners at home, I just cheersed into my camera. I did it again. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I was wondering, like, did that just happen? <laughs> oh, that happened. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, so, do you want to dive right into Anne? <laughs> yeah. That sounds really weird, because... Our original plan for this episode was for me to invite one of my friends from work who uh, whose name is Anne and also likes Buffy to be our guest on this. And uh, obviously with things the way that they are, we can barely like get this thing going with just the two of us. So um, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of just rolling with it right now. But yeah, you know what? Let's let's dive yeah. into the episode, Anne. Yes, not into any person named Anne. Um, so we start off 
in the Sunnydale Cemetery. And, as, you um, know, as per the norm. For the norm. Um, so I think we established at the beginning of last season that every season begins at or near the cemetery, except for season one, which is a fun little tradition. We we get this great shot of this vampire about to rise and a pair of legs appear, but it's not Willow or fuck. Fucked up. My first fuck up for season three. <laughs> Way to spoil it, you dumbass. Duh. <laughs> Suck a dick, dumb shits. <laughs> it's not Buffy. <laughs> it's Willow. <laughs> We're doing great. We're doing great. Um... <laughs> We're coming out of the gate hard. <laughs> I come out of every gate hard. Oh my... I just, I immediately, I immediately have this in my head, just the voice of Job from Arrested Development saying, I think I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Willow, Xander, and Oz are attempting to slay, uh, this vampire. Um, they fail. They're, they're pretty bad at it. At least Oz fails in spectacular style because he tries to <laughs> knock out that action shot of just tossing the, tossing the stake. Only it didn't work. It doesn't work, but I, yeah, I, I can appreciate his tenacity. Um, but I just love, I love the, um, the swell of the music and he chucks that stake and then just like the hollow thunk as it bounces off a headstone. <laughs> Some really, really good oh, comedy Poor right there. Oz. A for effort, um, also, Willow has A for effort. Um, this is apparently the only A he got um, since he has to repeat <laughs> his senior year. Um, Willow also has a super cute haircut. Um, which she then hides in the episode with her purple hat. Um, yeah. She also gives a... Um, her one-liner is, come and get it, big boy. And listen, I'm loath to agree with Xander most of the time, but I am on his side here. <laughs> come and get it, big boy is not a good, not a good one-liner. Hey, she didn't have time to practice. That's true. They, they, they can appreciate how difficult it is to come up with those, like, lickety-split. Um, and I find it hilarious that... As soon as Buffy kind of gets out of her funk later in the episode, she's got about 10 minutes to get a whole episode's worth of snappy puns in. Yeah. She, and she, you know, she makes her quota. She really does. Mm-hmm. The, the, the discussion gets, turns a little serious here where they talk about how they miss Buffy. They don't know where she is. Um, school starts the next day and they just, they hope she's okay. Uh, and we get this transition to where she's on a beach. Yes, welcome to a brand new episode of Windward Circle. <laughs> is that the, um, that's the Gilmore Girls, like, spinoff that never happened, It right? totally is. Yeah, it's the, okay. it's the Jess spinoff. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was like, that sounds familiar. I mean, it, it, yeah, it just, it just had the shot of the beach, and that's what made me think of, like, that shot from the Backdoor Pilot episode where Jess is, like, mm-hmm. standing on the beach in, like, his fucking leather jacket and black pants. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not a good combo for the beach. <laughs> but you know who's not wearing a leather jacket or leather pants, even though it is his usual look? It's Angel. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get that's this true. shot of Angel, and he embraces her, and they have this um, romantic moment. It's like, what? What? How could this be? Well, listen, faithful listeners of Booze and Buffy, I'll tell you how this can be. It's a dream. Uh, it's really, it's really, I like the way it's done because it's really like, um, it's really sweet. It's very romantic. And then it turns very chilling when he just goes, you know, I'll always be here with you, even if you kill me. And it's like, ah, Angel, that's rude. Which is, uh, which is obviously like a metaphor for the, uh, for the weight of, 
killing angel that mm-hmm. Buffy carries around with her, even oh, as yeah. we find out that she is working in a diner under the name Anne. Anne, which is uh, her middle name. Did we know that before this episode that Anne was her middle name? Do you know? Can you remember? I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you because it's kind of like something as soon as I found out, whenever that was, it just was immediately accepted into my head. Yeah, it's like, okay, her her middle name's Anne. I feel like we maybe found out in like, an episode I could think of where we could have found that out is iRobot Eugene because we do see her like file on the computer, which presumably would have her middle name. But, um, but I can't, I can't remember for sure. But her middle name is Anne, which is the name she's going by. Um, I have a note on my, on my notes that I made that Buffy's not a particularly good waitress. Um. Well, by particularly good, do you mean that she's like not happy or anything like that? She's not very friendly. Okay, so... And I will say, to the guy who's, see... like, sexually objectifying her, fuck that guy. She don't have to be friendly to him, but... Oh, yeah. No, no. But, um, for me, that honestly is secondary. Like, as long as the waiter or waitress is competent and can bring okay. me their food, which Buffy definitely seemed to be, then that's all right. I mean, have you... Do you... Did you ever hear the uh, restaurant Ed DeBevix in Chicago where, like, the waiters are mean to you on purpose? But the food's delicious. I have heard of that. That sounds very stressful. <laughs> it's it's fun, though. Um, I don't <laughs> think it's open anymore, which makes me sad. So now, like, if you want uh, bad... If you want mean waiters, you'll just have to go to, like, the Denny's on Eastern Parkway. <laughs> or an Applebee's. Oh, yeah. Of course, the service there is bad, too, so... He got very nice. he got two checks in the no column. <laughs> um, so we kind of skipped over this. Um, we get new credits this season. Um, the theme music has been mastered. Yeah, <laughs> it, we get some of those. Thank little God they got rid of those stupid of sound effects. Ugh. <laughs> I hated um, them so much. Really bad. And um, <laughs> Seth Green gets promoted to a series regular. So good job, Seth Woo! Green. Um, and then also not having left the main credits is David Boreanaz as Angel. Hmm, that's interesting. We'll just leave it there. Oh, he was in my uh, he was in my opening credits. Oh no, I, that's what I said. He's still there. Oh okay. And I was like, oh, huh, huh, how interesting. How what how what an interesting. Uh, perhaps we'll see more dreams of Buffy's this season with it starring Angel. Um, I mean, all of my dreams star Angel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we're currently uh, on season 30 of Jason right now, so. <laughs> um, so the next day at school, we get this really cool, like, one-take shot of the busyness of Sunnydale um, on the first day of classes, and I don't know that we've ever really seen the show do a shot like that. Um, Nothing comes I to mind. Yeah, I, it's um, and it's not particularly elaborate, but you know, it's a good several minute long one shot that travels through the library um, into the hallway I, and has a lot I of. I think characters. they realized. Yeah, I think they realized there was going to be a lot of recap. So they're mm-hmm. like, let's at least try to make this a tad interesting. Yeah. But I have to say, the best part are the two football players saying, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the best season ever. You know, as long as like we don't have as many mysterious deaths. <laughs> I So as I was watching the episode, John was watching it with me. And he wasn't really watching. He was, he was playing a game on the Switch while I was watching. But he got to that line and he kind of looked up and he goes, why do people live here? And I was like... <laughs> It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> um, Giles also has a great line while um, that I've got. I've got here. Um, Willow's kind of recapping the night before, and Giles says, "Well, for God's sakes, be careful." I mean, I appreciate your efforts to keep the vampire population down until Buffy returns, but if something should happen to you, you could be hurt or killed. I shall take it somewhat amiss. <laughs> 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 um, 
And then they have that line where like, British. So British. And he has the line, too, where he's like, try not to get killed. And she's like, that's our whole mission statement. Try not to get killed. Um, yeah. Very um, <laughs> kind of glib. But um, this is where Willow learns that Oz is um, did not graduate the year before. So it's going to be repeating this year. Which is, um, I mean, pretty obvious narrative shorthand to just explain why Oz is still at school with them. But you know what? It works for me. I mean, it, it. no offense to Oz, but he seems like such a burnout that mm-hmm. I, I have no trouble accepting it. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because Oz is obviously really smart. So it's definitely just one of those situations where... He could have passed. He just didn't. He just didn't feel like it. Yeah, as Dr. Octopus would say, brilliant but lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, I want to watch Spider-Man 2 now. Do um, it. It's a good one. I'll add it to my list. I've got plenty of time. <laughs> it is very good. Um, we also uh, get to see Cordelia again, looking great in like a, like a, a pale green top. Per the huge. Per the huge. But um, she is really nervous about seeing Giles again. She keeps asking Cordelia or Willow, like, how her hair is. Um, you mean she's nervous about seeing Xander again? What did I say? God damn it. <laughs> did I say Giles? You said Giles. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I wish you could see, like, my computer screen right now. Because there's just this, like, half-visible Harrison. But you can tell that he's, like... Just slumped and dejected. <laughs> and it's my favorite thing. <laughs> I just... Listen, I sit here every week and I'm like, I'm the biggest Buffy expert. I know everything about Buffy. Listen to me talk about Buffy. I can't get the fucking characters' names right. <laughs> it's not that I don't know their names. It's just that I'm stupid, okay? <laughs> um... Brilliant, but stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to season three. We're doing great. Um, This is what happens when you've been locked in your house for like a month. You haven't had anything to do. Uh, Anyway, we're... um, Where did we leave off? uh, Cordelia. Oh, yes. Um, Cordelia's just really nervous about seeing Giles. Fuck! God damn it! She's nervous about seeing Xander. All right, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! I knew you would do that. <laughs> you know what? No. I'm leaning into it. I'm leaning into it. Okay. This is my canon. She's really, really horny for Giles, and she's using Xander as a cover. She's like, oh, like, oh, do you think Xander Giles wants to see me? It's canon. It's canon now. I knew it was going to happen before it happened. <laughs> should we should we go back to California? Go back to um, wherever Buffy was, LA. Uh, I'll just I just I'll, I'll just end this on um they are reunited, Xander and Cordelia. And they um it's very awkward. And um, Cordelia just has this great line where she's like, I bet you met up with some, like, hot Inca mummy girl. Oh, yeah, I heard about her. Um, which is a good uh, good little callback there. Clearly she's been listening to Booze and Buffy. <laughs> um, so, yes, back in uh, Los Angeles, um, this is where Buffy encounters two homeless teenagers, Lily and Ricky. And um, it's not established right away um, that Lily is the character Chanterelle, who we met in the season two episode, Lie to Me. Um, and Buffy doesn't really remember, like, recognize her. What a, um, what a crazy name change, by the way. I guess Chanterelle would have stuck out so much. <laughs> I just love when she's, like, telling her, like, all the names she went through. And she's like, Chanterelle was my exotic phase. And Buffy's like, oh, it's a mushroom. And she's like, what? It's a fucking mushroom? She's <laughs> really embarrassed. It's a good... It's a By good the way, bit. props to Buffy for knowing that. Right? 
so I know we talk about sometimes like, do you really think Buffy knew that or that Joss Whedon knew that? And <laughs> on Chanterelle, um, I'm gonna go fifty fifty. I don't know, maybe. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility that Buffy might know certain different types of mushrooms. I don't know, maybe Hank is a really good cook. Maybe. It's the only thing he'd be good for. Um <laughs> So, um, Lily and Ricky are, like, totes adorbs. They, they want, Lily wants cake, but Ricky reminds her that they have to eat healthy, so they, they order a pie instead. And Buffy kind of flees from this encounter, and I'm, it's not clear, but I guess it's that at this point Buffy recognizes her? They don't really say was that was that your read of the situation, Jason? I think she was just getting jumpy anytime anybody said, "Hey, don't I know you?" Because, I mean, I feel like when you're on the run like that and trying mm. to get away from stuff, you would definitely like be a little more paranoid, and you'd just be like, "Oh, I mean, Lord knows I've probably like encountered quite a few people in my slaying days, so I need to get away from that." Yeah, that no, that all tracks for me. Um, Chanterelle, or Lily, who was Chanterelle, follows her out of the diner, and, um, but, uh, oh no, that's later. But at this point, Buffy just goes back to her sad apartment and, like, eats beans or something. SpaghettiOs. Um, spaghetti, oh, I love SpaghettiOs. I do have to (laughs) give, uh, I do have to give Buffy credit, though, for being able to, like, afford an apartment in Los Angeles on a waitressing salary. Also, she's a minor. Like, how did... That, that always, I could see like, her lying about. That's true. That's fair. It was probably easier to lie about that sort of thing in 1998 than... But yeah, it it's always strange, like, in Friends, even in something as, uh, as new as the Big Bang Theory, like, how they're able to, like, afford these, no doubt, expensive apartments with, like, the small salaries that mm-hmm. they have. Oh, yeah. Um... It's it okay. is what are you gonna pretty do? <laughs> egregious sometimes. Back in Sunnydale, um, Giles gets a report of, poten- of potential sighting of Buffy. It's a um, a report of a young woman fighting vampires, um, and he's going to um, going to go check it out. Um, and based on this dialogue, it seems like this has been a recurring theme of Giles hearing reports that might be Buffy and then going to Well, I mean, he's her watcher. Her. He's kind of got to do that because I don't think Joyce is going to, even though it's kind of revealed that, like, he's he's revealing all of these leads to Joyce. And I, I think Xander's line here is really telling that uh, Buffy, Giles is not going to find Buffy until Buffy is ready to be found. I think it's pretty... Yes, his line is very good. But his shirt is terrible. Oh, what's his shirt? I don't I don't think I, I noticed it. It's this like it's this dark paisley sort of thing that kind of remind me of the carpet on in my basement. <laughs> like it's not it's not bad for carpet, but it's bad for a shirt. Uh, I think like I feel like that's the rule. Like if if a if a if a <laughs> color is good on a carpet, it won't be good on a shirt. Xander has yet to learn that rule. <laughs> and he never will. Um, <laughs> so later, um, later that night, Lily finds Buffy and reminds her of their, their shared past and they, they connect and it's, it's really sweet. And this is where, um, a, a, an old man, uh, walks past them and he says, I'm no one. He's nearly hit by a car and Buffy rescues him. And Buffy had pre- Buffy had previously noticed that um, when she was walking down the street to work one mm-hmm. day, uh, another homeless-looking person said, "I am no one." So that's why it kind of stuck out to yeah, her. Yeah, absolutely. Buffy saves him from getting hit by a car, and she is like full on hit by this fucking car. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she has another moment where she like flees the scene and. Um, yeah, definitely doesn't want people to, like, recognize her or see her or know who she is. Um, and this is when she runs into Ken, 
who is passing out flyers for like a teen shelter. Um, and I'm fairly certain, like I looked up this actor's IMDb and I'm fairly certain I've seen him in at least three or four things. Oh yeah. Um, same with the person who's running the blood bank. Um, and it's really funny because uh, mm-hmm. one thing I noticed they were in together was apparently Third Rock from the Sun. So they were all making the they were making oh. the rounds on all those popular '90s shows. <laughs> um, he also he's one of the actors who's appeared in several Joss Whedon shows. He appeared in an episode of Angel, Firefly, and in Firefly. And is he on Big Love? Yes, he's um he's, he's like Bill Paxton's brother, isn't he? Is he a brother? Or no, he's Bill Paxton's he's like brother, neighbor. isn't he? Hang on, let me look this up. Okay. <laughs> uh, you keep talking. She she knocks all these flyers out of his hands. He helps... Um, she helps him pick him up, and he tries to get her to come visit this teen shelter, um, but she declines, which seems like probably for the best, based on what we learn later. Yeah, then there's like a very strange... Uh, shot of like almost like it needs a sarah mclaughlin backing vocals but for teenagers yeah it's i yeah it's like this kind of psa sort of like style um shot of a bunch of yeah homeless teenagers and it is i don't know it feels really out of place in the episode for me what do you think jason yeah it felt really weird like i said it and it really synced up with the whole Sarah McLaughlin thing, um, since we had that at the end of the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just reminded me of like that commercial of the dogs that needed to be uh, adopted. Yeah, <laughs> um, that you see all the time. Um, by the way, you were right. It is um, it is the husband uh, that lives uh, across from the Hendersons ah, gotcha. in uh, Big Love. Yeah, he's nice. uh, is Carl, and then his wife was Pam, and she they were the ones who got like really friendly with uh with jennifer goodwin's character i just knew that woman's name was fucking pam before you said it i haven't watched big love in years but i knew her goddamn name was pam <laughs> apologies to any pams listening <laughs> um so yeah we get this this kind of strange like um uh, over the top video of these homeless teenagers and i'm you know i'm not trying to diminish the the plight of the homeless, especially homeless teens, it's a huge problem. But it's no, it's just out of place in here. Yeah, stylistically, it's very strange, and I thought the episode was already doing a really good job of, of, of portraying this problem without this, yeah, like you say, the Sarah McLaughlin thing. Um, so um, they. Uh, back at the bronze though um willow xander and oz are hanging out uh this the band that's playing is called belly love and the song is called back to freedom i engaged in a lot of belly love in college i what does that mean what explain yourself (laughs) it means i i i gave a lot of love to my belly by eating so so much okay okay that's weird it's a weird way to phrase that. Um, they um, they're discussing. <laughs> they they are discussing how terrible they are at slaying without Buffy, um, and this is where Xander has the idea that he has right as Cordelia walks into the bronze that what they were really missing was bait. I do love how Oz points out the obvious of just like, oh, you know, we're missing a vampire slayer. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, we've talked about how much we really enjoy Oz and Oz does not get huge amounts of dialogue, but goddamn, when he does, like, he, you know, he, he makes those little nuggets really shine. Mad props to Seth Green. Yeah. We love you, Seth Green. Also, I feel like of all the main characters in Buffy, of all the main characters and actors in Buffy, I feel like he would be the one who we could most likely get mm. on an episode of Booze and Buffy. We'll have to... Uh, Seth Green, if you're out there, uh, friends of Seth Green, if you're out there, um, uh, acquaintances of Seth Green, if you're out there, 
um, pass the message. So Giles returns from to Sunnydale, um, and he goes to see Joyce. Uh, uh, it was a false, uh, false alarm. I don't know what you would call it. Not a false alarm, but it wasn't Buffy. Um, and we get a very, um, it was a dead end. Yeah. Yes. Dead end. Thank you. Um, we get kind of an emotionally charged scene between these two where Giles is trying to comfort Joyce and, uh, and tells Joyce not to blame herself. And, um, she tells him, I don't blame myself. I blame you. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are on this. I was just starting to feel bad for Joyce, but then like, because, I mean, I didn't have a high opinion of how she reacted to Buffy um, telling her she was a slayer at the end of Becoming. Uh, but um, it was like, oh, well, she clearly misses Buffy. And then she decides to take it out on Giles. I mean, what she's saying is fairly true. But at this, because, mm-hmm. like, because obviously there was a relationship that Giles had with Buffy that they had to hide from um, Joyce. But I do think like a lot of it was Joyce lashing out and trying to be angry. And maybe this is like she regrets mm-hmm. it. And oftentimes when we feel bad about ourselves, we do our absolute best to try to place the blame elsewhere, like anywhere that we can. At least I do. Maybe normal yeah. people don't do that. I... <laughs> no, I think you're right. I do think um, I think a lot of her anger that she's um, she's laying out on Giles is also some anger at herself. Um, for her reaction at the end of season two. Um, But I also think she does make a very good point that, you know, this is a grown man who had a secret relationship with her, with her teenage daughter behind her back. Um, And, you know, we as the audience know there was nothing untoward there and that um, it was all on the so up and up. So I'm gonna but... stop you right there. I don't think that that is like I can. I think I can see the direction where you're going. I don't think that's how mm. Joyce um, saw it. I think if anything, there was almost a little bit of jealousy there. Like, um, cause, oh, definitely, cause she, I agree. Yeah, because she didn't have like the relationship between Buffy and Joyce was never really that strong when it comes to like a mother daughter relationship. So. Mm-hmm. Um, to see like that there was somebody that she looked to and as we've said before Giles is very much her like adoptive father more or less um to see that relationship that she was able to have that relationship with somebody else I think that is another thing that pissed Joyce off yeah no I agree um so it's I I think I just I like this scene a lot I think it's um it's really short and um but we just get a lot of um um emotions and intensity between these two characters also a scene that we did not get um we did not get a scene that reveals that joyce knew about that she's telling giles about knowing that buffy's a vampire slayer and giles uh, informs her that he is her watcher whatever she like we never got that scene i had never thought about that yeah you're right that could have been interesting. I mean, it's. I don't know how you would uh, the way the season is is or the way this episode is structured, like where you would have put that. But um, yeah, like how did that ha- how did that conversation happen? Yeah, yeah, there wasn't a good way to put the episode. That's that scene really in this episode. But I do kind of wish we had seen it. It's kind of like because like apart from the where Joyce finds out about Buffy being the vampire slayer. Like, G- Giles is the other piece to it, and it's kind of like, oh, it'd be interesting to see a reaction to that. Yeah. I I mean, I would imagine that conversation between Joyce and Giles would have happened pretty shortly after the season two finale. Either Giles went to Joyce to see if Buffy was there, or Buffy went to Giles after getting Buffy's note. I mean, Joyce went to Giles. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, drink. Everyone drink. Um... <laughs> No problem. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's, um, I had never even thought about that, but yeah. Um, cause obviously there's a lot of holes there that Buffy, uh, that Joyce didn't have at the end of season two, but, but has now at, at this point. So, 
back in Los Angeles, um, Lily goes looking for Buffy because Ricky has disappeared. She's worried um, that something something bad has happened to him. Um, so this is where they go to the blood bank where um, Lily and Ricky had donated blood. The uh, the blood bank uh, like nurse, doctor, I'm not sure what role that is in a blood bank, uh, hasn't seen him. And they, um, they go to continue their search. Um, later on, while Buffy is alone, Buffy finds the elderly man she had saved. Um, he's dead. He drank uh, drain cleaner, which is a really intense way to, to, to die. It actually reminds me of, um, of uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. When um, Sarah mm-hmm. Connor has, like, the syringe full of, like, the Drano or whatever. And she's got it up to, like, that asshole, like, uh, psychiatrist neck. And I'm like, ooh, yep. that's a bad way to go. Just gonna say, that's a bad way oh, to go. Awful. Awful. But I, it actually does remind me that uh, I also have to buy some Drano the next time I go out. Because uh, the <laughs> water's draining kind of slow in my uh, in my shower, so... I need to remember to actually... No, that is an actual thing. I do need to buy some Drano or Drain Clean or something. Do you remember when we were at the... We went to the cabin the very first year and we accidentally clogged the sink with, uh, like, grease and had to get... some. I, we had to send someone to get some, like, by, drain, Drano. By we accidentally, you mean you and Grace accidentally. I mean... Yes. D- don't that put your wanton property destruction on me. <laughs> um, we didn't realize the George Foreman grill was spilling over. <laughs> at, at this point, though, this is where we learn uh, Buffy sees the tattoo on um, the old man's arm. And we discover that the old man is Ricky. Um Lily does not take this news very well. Um, I would argue Lily takes this news quite poorly. I mean, I can't blame her because Ricky... Oh, no. Ricky was kind of her... Yeah, she was her lifeline. Or he was her lifeline. When Buffy tells her that Ricky's dead, she has a line. She just says in like the smallest voice, but he takes care of me. And it is so heartbreaking. Like, uh, um, gosh, I uh, cannot remember the actress's name who plays her. Uh, Julia Lee, who plays Lily, just gives that line just the right amount of sadness and pathos um, without seeming pathetic. Um, and I think that's something Julia Lee does really well. Yeah, she was very well cast because she very much plays this um, naive, uh, vulnerable person who's, like, trying to make it in Mm -hmm. the real world and not succeeding well because, hey, it's really tough to make it in the real world when you're very prepared for it. And she and Ricky were probably not very prepared. Yeah, we don't get a lot of her backstory, but based on what she tells us, one, she changes her name a lot. Um but it also seems like she mentions that she followed around some weird preacher. She was in the vampire cult. She's with this guy, Ricky. Um, it, she definitely comes across as the type of uh, person who just keeps latching on to different people to take care of her. And I think that's why I she does, she has such a... Um, that is kind of her arc in this episode is she kind of learns from Buffy... No, I can take care of myself, and I'm going to. Um, Woohoo! Women and, empowerment, baby. And we'll see that later, where she takes on, yeah, uh, and empowering other women. Like that is, um, you know, the show does that a lot anyway. But it's just in this, I, yeah, I just think it's really well done in this episode. I think the character is well is well drawn, um, and this is a character who could easily come across as really like irritating or pathetic and i don't think she does i just um i really like her and i'm I'm glad things work out for her um you know give or take a a ricky uh however however at this point um lily uh 
runs away after uh, getting this news from Buffy. She she kind of accuses Buffy of uh, kind of being uh, like a monster magnet. Um, and this is where she runs into Ken. Uh, and just like, just to say, Buffy does, um, Buffy does do some of her signature projecting of, oh, you can't like, you can't get away from this stuff just because you run away. And like, like, oh, Buffy, clearly you're dealing with your own shit right now. Yeah. Um, I was just delivered a, a beer by my delightful husband who... Oh, John. Went and got us some beer, so I'm very happy. Yeah, so Ken, Lily runs into Ken, and we see this cycle just kind of continue. She she loses Ricky, and she latches onto this guy who tells her that um, he can take care of her. He also lies to her and tells her that Ricky is is at this teen shelter, and um, and that Buffy had lied to him. Buffy returns to the blood bank that night and um, just trying to find out anything she can. Um, she's um, she's going through some files. Are you with me, Jason? I feel like I've yes, lost yes. Again. No, no, you, you you did for a minute, but uh, yeah, okay. we're we're at the blood bank. Let's try to get to keep <laughs> this going. We're at the blood bank. Buffy's going through some files. And then, like that, um, like the the yeah. nurse, um, the blood bank, uh, kind of boss shows up, and she's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And Buffy just nonchalantly says, "Oh, you know, just looking through your files." She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna call the police." And then, my favorite moment in the episode, she just grabs the telephone and just yeah. rips it off the wall. <laughs> and she never once during this scene, like turns around and looks at this woman she is so nonchalant um we really seen buffy kind of fleeing from her identity in this episode but this scene to me is where she starts to get to get back to it to feel a little bit more like buffy to accept herself a little more um and yeah just that moment where she rips the phone out of the wall is is fucking great i i, I love it <laughs> Um, so Buffy learns from this, uh, this woman that, um, the, gives the name, she gives the names of the healthy people who donate blood to, um, to him, quote unquote, which we learn is Ken at the, um, the teen shelter at uh, the teen shelter, Lily is about to do the quote-unquote cleansing. Um, he's got her changed into, like, a burlap sack, basically. Um, and he wants her to go Weird into potato this... potato sack robe. Yeah, yeah. He wants her to go into this, like, pool of water. Um, Buffy tries to come in undercover. By the way, can I talk about how... Yeah really really bad this cgi is oh it's awful like this this is bad CGI. it is really bad like it reminds me of um the monster that kills tasha yar in uh um, oh in star trek the next <laughs> that Generation. like blob thing and that was like in 1988 yeah, yeah not good not yeah good. armis i think his name was um uh poor tasha yar she gets Killed this off by a years terrible later. monster of the week. <laughs> um, so Buffy tries to come into the teen shelter. Uh, she tells them that she needs help. That she's bad with the sex and the drugs and that loud music that us kids are listening to these days. And um, then she's just like, oh, I just fucking suck it undercover. She doesn't say fuck because uh, you couldn't on the WB. And, um, she kicks the door in instead. <laughs> um, and you know what? She's right. Buffy is really bad at undercover. It's not her strong suit. But kicking in doors <laughs> is. So, you know, I'm really proud of her for sticking to her, uh... She's very good at that. Her, her strengths. <laughs> um, they, um, she tries to rescue Lily, but they're both, like, pushed into this Tasha Yar goo. 
Um, <laughs> and um, uh, they're in this like hell dimension. Um, it's revealed here that uh, Ken is a demon. His um, this is a really funny moment where his like human face is ripped off, and he's like, "Do you know how long it takes to glue that thing on?" But Ken reveals that uh, they they steal these people so that they can work on something. Yep. No, nope. it's never revealed what they're working on. It looks like they're. They're forging weapons, maybe, for, like, an army or something. That is all conjecture on my part. They are just doing really, really, like, uh, fill-in-the-blank ironwork and shit like that. Yeah, they're dystopian demon slaves, um, or slaves for demons. Also, I have to say, there's one demon... uh, There's one demon that, like, is cracking a whip, but he does not have any heart in it at all. Like, he's just like... And, and like, you hear a whip crack, and I'm like, there's no way he would make that sound with the strength that he just cracked that whip with. I mean, come on. Have some pleasure in what you do. <laughs> Have some self-respect, demon. Um, they, um, Ken reveals that um, time moves differently in this dimension. That, um, you know, just a... Um, a couple days, like a day on earth is like a hundred years there. And, um, so hence why Ricky was old when he returned, um, to, to our regular dimension back at, uh, the park, um, where we haven't checked in with our Sunnydale gang in a while. Um, but they are using Cordelia as bait. Uh, Cordelia is, is unhappy about it. They all move to their <laughs> they move to their hiding spots, but Cordelia follows Xander and they get into like a bit of an argument. And there's this, this great shot of Willow like close by, like listening to this argument, and she just rolls her eyes so heavily. <laughs> it's <laughs> really funny. Um but the um the the vampire yeah, the vampire sneaks up behind her, um, and, uh, during the ensuing fight, um, Xander and Cordelia work together, kind of accidentally. While a vampire is sneaking up behind her. Uh, to kill the vampire. <laughs> and then you have the rising music as soon as they start kissing. Oh my gosh. And, uh, nice It's touch. so good. Like, I, it is so good. It's cheesy... It's cheesy, but in the perfect way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's a nice little capper of this um, little mini arc they have for this episode, where um, uh, they they just needed to find a way to get back to their familiar rhythm of fighting and then making out. Not making up. <laughs> yes. Making oh out. yeah. I was very deliberate in my word choice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so back in the LA hell dimension, um, they, um, they've got all the like slaves kind of lined up and this demon is just like, you're no one, you're no one. And he goes through the line, each one, he says, who are you? And the first person says like, my name is Adam or whatever his name is. And this demon like like clubs him to death and we don't see it but there's a pretty gruesome sound effect when it happens we see buffy like when this happens like i don't i it feels like buffy like awakens and this is the moment where buffy's like all right you know what i'm fucking back i'm gonna say the title of the show (laughs) <laughs> so it's and lo- this is a great moment too like um i i agree i think the moment where she rips the phone off the wall is also my favorite moment of the episode but this moment where they go through the this demon goes through the line and each person says i am no one i am no one and he gets to buffy and he goes who are you and she says i'm buffy the vampire slayer and you are and then she just starts kicking ass so there's this um, I I I love that moment. There's this uh, ep- there's this moment that's comparable in Arrow, 
um, because in Arrow on the CW, like a lot of the um, every episode starts off with like my name is Oliver Queen, and he like gives a brief description of like the show, um, mm-hmm. and it's really great because in uh, in season three, he's like forced to join the League of Shadows with Ra's al Ghul, and he has to like uh, use this new name Al Sahim. But then in, like, the season three finale, spoiler, sorry, um, there's, like, this point where Ra's al Ghul is like, how dare you rebel against me? You are Al-Sahim. And then Oliver just looks at him and says, my name is Oliver Queen. And it's just so good, nice. so fist-pumping. And that's kind of how I feel about uh, Buffy just looking up and saying, like, oh, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer. Love it. Yeah. There's something very powerful about a person re, like reclaiming their identity that they've either um, that they've either kind of uh, voluntarily cast aside or or had forcibly taken from them. Um, I, I you know I think because I think identity is really important. Um, uh, names are very important. So um, I. I yeah I think I think there's a lot of power in that that idea of being able to reclaim who you are, um, and especially if you can follow that up with just the ass kicking of the century. Like how many demons <laughs> does Buffy take on in this sequence? There's a lot, quite a few, and the cool thing is that it like leads to this amazing shot that I think is used in like a as the final shot of Buffy, like, of the opening credits in later seasons. Yeah. But, like, when she's standing on top of that, like, uh, vent, giant vent grate thing, and she's got, like, the two weapons in her hand, and, like, the mm-hmm. the light slowly comes up, and it's just, like, she's just kind of looking around, surveying, like, okay, who's going to attack me first? That's, like, it's such yep. a great shot of SMG. Love it. It is a fantastic shot, and it's actually one that I am planning on replacing our current um, cover photo, which is from the pilot, um, with with that image now that we're, like, here. Um, Dope. Because I do think... It, I think it is one of the most... Like, her most badass, just, like, shots of her. Um, it's also interesting that the weapons she are she is hand holding in, those, in that image is a hammer and sickle. Um... <laughs> Which has some pretty um, significant historical connotations. The glory of Russia. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it does. You know, obviously, it has the Russian connotation, but also, really, its big connotation is like the working class and poor rising up against their oppressors, which is what we see happen here. Um, are these that's pretty these deep slaves nice. rising up against? Yeah, uh, I can do. I can do deep every once in a while. Um, and I'm not just talking about my sex life. Uh, this is when um, the fight the fight comes to a halt because Ken has got Lily. Um, they're holding they're standing on this ledge, and he's holding a knife to her. And then Ken does the dumbest thing he possibly could have done. He lets go he of his lever. Pushes Lily. Yeah, he pushes her aside. He pushes her behind him. And starts, like, villain monologuing. And he doesn't get two sentences in before Lily just pushes him off the ledge. And... Good riddance. It's great. I love it. I, um... I love... I love how quickly it happens. I love that it's just... It comes almost out of nowhere. And I love that Lily is shocked by it. Like, after she does it, she's like... Holy shit, I didn't know I could do that. Um, and um, it's it's just a great moment. Um, from here, uh, Lily and um, Buffy help the other humans escape. Um, not before they um, there's a there's like a big gate that Buffy has to lift. Um, to let the others through. Um, once all the others are through, uh, she's attacked by Ken. And he kind of pushes her through the gate, and then the gate falls and, like, impales his calf muscles. 
Much deserved. Which is very upsetting to me. So, Jason, what do you what what do you think of uh, Buffy's Gandhi impression? <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, everybody be a little pissed off um, after everything that's gone down there. Uh, I would like to think that uh, that Gandhi would like just beat the shit out of somebody um, when like you found out that the hunger strike and everything didn't work. Yeah, um, I. It's a weird bit. It's a it's a really weird bit, but I I enjoy it. Um, so um, they return to Buffy's apartment. Um, Lily is going to live in the apartment, uh, work at the diner, um, and is going to take on the Anne identity. Um, and at this point, Buffy heads back to Sunnydale. So the episode ends with. Uh, Buffy's mom hearing a knock on the door and there's Buffy and they hug and that's the end of Anne yep so Jason what are your what are your thoughts on the episode um overall I think it was kind of a necessary episode but that's kind of how it feels necessary like nothing really sticks out as exceptional Mm -hmm. I mean and also it has the tough job of following becoming part two um which is tough like that'd be tough for any buffy episode mm-hmm. um but i uh i don't know it, it's like if yeah. i had to give this a uh it, it'd be nice to let, it's nice to kind of show that they need buffy and buffy needs to be her like she can't run away and um Mm-hmm. It's okay. If this had gone on for another episode, maybe it would have been annoying. But like, since it's just the one episode, I'm kind of all right with it. Um, I think I'll give it my rating will be uh, three slices. No, two and a half slices of peach pie. But I can't guarantee that the peach is in it. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, I, I, I have grown to enjoy this episode more over the years. Um, I, it's funny though, I'm going to, I'm going to make kind of a counter argument. I almost wish she had stayed in LA, like maybe one episode longer. Um, it feels to me like she comes home really quick. Um, and I, I don't know if that would have been better or worse. Um, but one kind of version of this that I, I, I feel like would have been interesting if they had done... Um, they never would have done this in 1998, but I feel like if this show were made today, we would have gotten us, this episode would have been set entirely in Sunnydale until maybe like the last minute or so where we would find out where Buffy was. I can and see it'd be that. like, uh, where everyone's worried about where is Buffy and, um, and I don't know if that would be a better way of handling it. Um, kind of like actually season four of Bojack does that. Um, after he he leaves LA and he's not in the first episode um, of season four. We don't see where he is until the second episode. Um, but on its own merits, yeah, I, um, I, I think this episode, like you said, is fine. It has a lot of good moments and thematically I think it's strong. Um, but it is, it, it, yeah, it has the unfortunate job of having to follow uh, com- not only just in terms of chronologically but just also following thematically and all that um becoming part two and it feels more like knowing where this season is going this episode feels more like of a kind of a continuation of where last season was than necessarily an indication of where this season is going do you know what i mean yeah i'm gonna give this episode three and a half hammers and sickles how very uh how very marxian of you <laughs> cool um any other final thoughts on this episode nope. before we close uh, out? i'm ready to like end this session just because we've got some crazy technical difficulties <laughs> yes all right well take us out jason thank you for joining us on booze and buffy we'll be back next week with dead man's party 
I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at YamiJ357 and uh, on Twitter at YamiJ. That's Y-A-M-I-J-A-Y. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube where we will release a short video with each episode where we will discuss spoilers that we can't talk about on the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Uh, this week we are highlighting Project Cure. Project Cure was founded in 1987 to help bridge staggering health resource gaps in the developing world by matching medical supplies and modern equipment with facilities in need to empower doctors and nurses with the tools they need to treat disease, deliver vaccines, perform life-changing surgeries, and ensure safe childbirth. In this time of crisis, Project Cure is helping to ensure that hospitals have masks, gloves, PPEs, and other life-saving items. Please visit projectcure.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. <laughs>